Welcome back, Billiken fans. It's Zach Miller and Peter Hale. This is the Midtown Madness Podcast. Before we get going, thank you so much for listening. And if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. Hit the bell icon down below uh, as well to get notified whenever a new episode drops on YouTube. Uh, it's season four. Once again, the Midtown Madness Podcast is brought to you by Two Men in the Garden. It's fall, and for some inexplicable reason, I just really like chips and salsa in the fall. I don't know what it is, uh, but it's it's a bit of a fall comfort food. Maybe it's the, the fall sports on TV. I don't know. But when I break out the salsa, you better believe it's two men in a garden. It's local. It tastes amazing. They got all the flavors to suit your individual salsa preferences. You can get their many products at any local grocery store or online at twomeninagarden.com, which if you're particular about your salsa preferences, that's where you want to go. Follow them on social media at two men and at two men salsa on Instagram and Twitter. Pete, we got a very big week. Both well, it's a big week for Billiken basketball, but it's also a big week for the show. We have two episodes dropping this week. One this episode, and two we're dropping the 2023 edition of the Slew Twitter Think Tank. Uh, featuring West Pine Bills, one half of West Pine Bills, and Carter Chapley. Uh, and we're going to drop that on, I believe, Wednesday. We really get into it on that, Zach. Oh, too. How, how long How long did we get? Did we go? What was it? 45 minutes? We just sat around and talked before we even took a look at the like the agenda? Yeah, it was at least that long. Uh, that's so, so get ready for it because that's a long It is two and a half episode. hours. Yes, it is two and a half hours. It is part one uh, of parts to be determined. Uh, right. We really don't know how many more. <laughs> I mean, it, it may turn into a I mean, I don't think if we if we do once I'm like if we did it once a month, it wouldn't be special and it wouldn't we would run out of stuff to talk about. But we will definitely do one more in the next couple of weeks at least and see if we can't get through the notes. Yeah. Um, Pete, like I said, it's 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 a big week uh coming up but it's also been pretty big week uh in the past it's it's the time when uh when the fall sports transition right i mean yes. like like they're getting well, into leaves in the sports transition about this time it, it's it's perfect that those sports are getting into their uh their playoff season you know the home stretch conference tournaments coming up that, all that good stuff and then you've got the winter sports, basketball, men's and women's starting up, uh, swimming, getting into full swing, all of the all of that stuff happening. And uh, it's exciting, Zach. It's it's like it, because basketball season comes into focus, it becomes real right as you now have these 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 tournaments and playoffs and things for soccer. I, I love this time of year for us. So before we get really digging into more recent stuff. I want to close the book on the champion center because we've probably gone through two episodes already deep talking mm -hmm. about it. But one thing that I love, well, not, I don't love it about slew, but I, John bell is, he is so good at both coaching track and field and being a, a sports information, like a pseudo sports information director along with it. He's always tweeting out, um, he's always tweeting out results. He's always keeping te people uh, abreast of what's going on with track and field. 
I appreciate it. He's he's just very no nonsense, right? Yeah. It's just like information, information. Yes. You want information, you go to him. And he helps us out because like there's only so much you and I not having gotten in the building can say about the Champion Center. And he gave us his perspective as kind of an insider, Zach. And it was really, really helpful yeah. to add on to and sort of illuminate or, uh, you know, even highlight the things that we got wrong about I, the Champion Center. I think we should go down these bullet points and I'll take one, you take one, and we'll just go down the line. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so first up is the Student Developmental, Developmental, Student Develops Development Center more than triples the academic space in Chaffetz. Four conference room for small group work or private tutoring session. Office space for academic advisors. Career services will have a room for mock interviews. Technology for athletes to have Zoom interviews, whether they be career or NIL. Uh, with appropriate background and stable internet or just quiet private space for on-campus interviews. The Billiken Sanctuary is space for the student-athletes to come together in a non-athletic environment. Uh, the Jesuit Scholastics, or team chaplains, have office space there and space to work with those students who are seeking more uh, spiritual growth. Did someone say office space? I, I believe so. Zach. Okay. All right. Uh, the Billiken <laughs> Nutrition Center is a full-service dining hall where our dietitians work with Delaware North to provide breakfast and dinners for all student-athletes. The meals will be cleaner and designed specifically for athlete, athletic performance and recovery. Within the nutrition center, there are soundproofing glass doors that can be closed to have full team team meals while the dining hall is still open to other athletes. The fueling station will be open throughout the day for athletes to come grab a snack or drinks if on the go. There's a smoothie and coffee bar there as well. And then the third floor has office space for the sports psychologists that work with our teams, dietitians, and a counselor from, as well as a counselor from the University Counseling Center. Men's and women's basketball staff have brand new office suites on the third floor. The Billiken, the Billiken Victory Room is a space that um, coaches and athletes can meet. Uh, and then, uh, well, sorry, coaches can meet recruits and their families in. There's a massive TV and sound system. Every sport has a highlight video that's dialed up and ready to be played for recruits. There's a digital history there, too. And this, this was surprising. To me. I, I want to see this. I really want to see this. Every student athlete that has ever worn a Billiken jersey. So it's he says it's still being updated because there's so many athletes over the years. But that's that's cool to me. That that is really cool. I yeah. I just imagine the uh, the highlight videos that'll be like in a world like like a movie trailer <laughs> from the nineties. Yeah. Uh, the bottom floor has a new classroom as well as a film room, all filled with state of the art technology. And so that, that's really the Champion Center. But he says there's part two of the construction project is a complete renovation of all the office space currently in Chaffetz. Now that some of those functions and offices are moving over to the Champion Center, right? So everyone's day-to-day -day operations will be vastly improved. The long-term plan is also to add more staffing members in, in the new or renovated sp spaces, hopefully. And then, um, you know, he says, look, from speaking from his own experience already, recruiting has just taken up a whole other level. Um, so it's, it's what families want to see, you know, that you're taking care of their kids. And, and this is an investment that, that really demonstrates that's what SLU's priorities are and its aspirations that it really wants to be great. Um, so, so this is this for, for, for me, I know I could, I could say for sure, like, this is a really helpful, uh, perspective, you know, to, to kind of get a just that extra level of detail about what it is, what's going on there, what the long-term impact and plan is. 
Um, and it sounds like it just up and down the, the, the table in athletics, this benefits everybody. And that's, that's pretty cool. Um, a little bit of a, a an update. Uh, well, okay, first of all, thank you to John Bell for, for enlightening us. I mean, beyond yeah. anything that we could have ever asked for. Um, and, and I think it's, it's a, it's a great thing to do is to just reach out and just flat out, tell people what you're doing, like what it, what this is. Uh, because, and that is, I mean, that is exhaustive. Um, but the Billiken Victory Fund, uh, they held their event, uh, from, uh, they held the fundraiser, the, the $250, uh, meet and greet with the coaches and players and open practice, as well as, uh, an appearance from Troy Robertson on, uh, uh, Kevin Slayton's show. Yes, yeah, so. Which one of these do you want to cover first? I mean, the Kevin Slayton's show was first, so maybe we should yeah. go with that one first. Yeah, let's go with that one. So so I, I thought this was a pretty interesting and somewhat illuminating interview, but not necessarily, you know, not necessarily in the way that I would have initially thought, if that makes yeah. sense. Like it's not if I would have drawn up a a an appearance on TV, this isn't or uh, on radio, I would have not drawn it up like this yeah so so it's clear that these two kind of know each other i think they even established during the interview that that troy had because he's a real estate a agent he had i guess sold the house that or he he was the agent when when kevin slayton bought his house or most recent house is that right or, or was it a house that he was selling I either think way he bought. either way he right. was involved in in a house that slayton yeah so so they have that but I, it seems like they had already kind of known each other anyway and um, anyway, so so a lot of the interview to me, the tone of it was kind of like two guys, longtime sports fans, sort of coming to grips with this is the the way that things are, right? And and it wasn't. I expected Troy to have kind of a lot more of like a sales hat on, like, hey, we're the we're the Billiken Victory Fund. Here's what we're doing, you know. Here's what we're excited about. But it was really he was it was a lot of like, hey, this is what. NIL is um here's what here's what the, the the landscape looks like here's where we're at a, a disadvantage in certain ways here's our perspective on certain things it was just a really different um I guess tenor of the, the whole interview than than really what I expected um not necessarily am I saying that's good or bad but it was a little bit eye-opening to me to kind of because to kind of hear where just where he was coming from on a lot of this stuff yeah, and, and I don't know how much of it I enjoyed. I think, again, I talk about how awful these things are to listen for me because I am set in my opinions and my belief for for what I think the Billiken Victory Fund can be and how uh, it, it needs to approach NIL. And I thought it was a bit defeatist in a little way. I, I felt like it was a lot of, lamenting how much nil sucks and i you know how difficult of a job it is and that's okay like it sucks it's a tough job troy has a very difficult uh well we'll call it a new hobby because really at the end of the day he's not getting any kickback from this he's not this is this is him doing it on his private time mm -hmm. and I, I mean it does but like i don't want to tell people that 
Yeah, I mean, he, he's a volunteer, right? The the whole the board that runs the BVF is volunteers. And he sounded almost a little reluctant, you know, like he, yeah. he took this kind of this gig a little bit reluctantly. And it is a lot of work like that. That must be acknowledged. And it, it seems like it's it's been tough. Uh, but but yeah, there, there, there was a lot of that sort of uh, like weary, like, well, this hey, this is what it is. And we're just we're going to do the best we can with it. But some of the ways when you, when you say it sounded a little bit defeatist, I think one of the things that really stood out to me was their perspective on the Missouri state legislation that we know Mizzou was the most instrumental in kind of shaping up. And Troy saying that SLU's not going to real, they're going to defer more to the NCAA than Missouri state law, which is actually now a little bit more permissive than the NCAA in terms of Missouri has, for one example, given the green light to compensate high schoolers who are already committed to an in-state program. So if you're, you know, Luther Burden coming from Cardinal Ritter and going to Mizzou, you can already start getting paid in terms of NIL as a high schooler. Missouri's cleared the way for that. Uh. And he made it sound like, number one, they're not going to do that. They're not going to start paying high schoolers who aren't on campus yet and then number two high schoolers really didn't seem like a focal point of recruiting at all um and we'll get to in a little bit why that seems a little bit contradictory right now but um it just seems like they were more focused and number one he he said they were focused on retention and then number two would be transfers um but then he went on to say that you know he thought the market value on something like a mcdonald's all-american would be three to four hundred thousand a year and then it was even higher for high-level transfers. So just using that sort of framework of like where everybody's value is, a, a non-McDonald's All-American high school player, right? Like your typical like kind of three-star recruit, you would think that that player's value relative to a, a non-top-level transfer who would go even higher than an All-American in terms of his NIL, you would think that that would kind of be a more value proposition kind of space. Um, so to not even, I don't know, to say you're not really even going after high schoolers is, it was kind of weird to me, but maybe I'm misinterpreting. No, I, I think, I think you're right. And I, I, you know, I don't know if they're not necessarily going after high schoolers as much as they're, they're, they're not worried about, uh, like, you know, Hey, uh, let's go after these, these high end high school players. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, but I, I, you know, we're, it's not like, Oh, what do we need to get that? You know, uh, top hundred high school recruit. Right. Mm -hmm. I think, but I, I do think that, you know, it's, it's crazy to not just go along with this law. I mean, to, to be fair, like I, the 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 rules are changing every day, uh -huh. but they're not going backwards. Like right. there's not there. I don't think at the end of the day, you're gonna get dinged for this. I think that's right. And and the other thing I would say is like, you have to be honest about where your competition is. And I if we're if if uh, we we keep going back to this, but if the programs that he, they stated in the beginning we see as our peers that we want to compete with Creighton, Xavier, Butler, Dayton. I don't know if their NIL collectives are saying we don't, we're not going to worry about, you know, the Ohio States or the Nebraska's or whatever the big state schools are in their States, the Indiana's, 
we're not going to worry about those teams and what they're doing and what the state law says. We're going to do our own thing, you know, and I, it just feels like me that you're, you're never really going to compete at a higher level. Yeah. You know, like you, you have to be honest about where the market is and what, and what your surroundings are. Um, so, so I'm, I'm just curious to see how that develops because I would hate to just think that they're going to, you know, they're looking at where we are in the A-10 and just being like, yep, this is fine. Yeah. We don't aspire to anything higher. I, I really hope that's not the case uh, because I think this is doable. And I, I think we do probably have in the long term, I think we have the the critical mass and the donor base. We just need to really ignite them yeah. and, and, and make them realize like it's not an undoable amount of money to sustain this program and make it more competitive. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I think that and and I think that you know you have to look at those non-traditional fundraising methods. I think I I think like I've talked about it a million times. Let's let's do something weird. Let's yeah throw a kegger. I don't know, but like let's go after you know twenty dollars per person for a night. Like mm-hmm. let's go after. Go after these middle of the road, you know, not they're not tech, not not booster level, you know, fans, but they, they got they have comfortable income and, and you get them. And as their income grows, like maybe you get more out of them eventually, but build build those recurring customers, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Um, but I, I just think I, I want to see them get creative and and look outside that that major donation you know put a party in every city you know uh, every time every time there's an alumni big alumni you know uh big alumni city like chicago uh anytime we're in philly anytime we're in you know they throw these parties like forget whatever slew's doing with the alumni relationships let's cancel those cancel those mm-hmm. Just let the NIL collective throw those, you know, get that money from them. So I don't know. Just get weird. I, yeah. I just think we're not, we're not going to beat them. We're not going to beat programs just going after uh, whales uh, in the beginning. I don't think, I think we need to just grow it yeah. and, and grow that base. Yeah. And one of the points he did make was that they, they have run into the issue of like big capital campaigns by the athletic department, like the champion center have kind of gotten in the way of their NIL fundraising. You know, he said, he just flat out said, somebody who's just given a bunch of money, it's hard to make that call and ask for more money. You know, especially if not everybody is entirely comfortable with the idea of NIL yet, you know, and then they're still kind of coming to terms with or understanding what it means and and why it's important moving forward. So he did acknowledge that. And, and I, I, you and I had both, you know, hypothesize that that was probably a oh, thing yeah. like at all like we you know we we could can read the room we knew that was going to be an issue so i i think that was that was kind of an illustration but but at the same time like look we always say it's got to be all of the above right like like when you're talking about these events to get your kind of low to mid-tier people that shouldn't be at the expense of chasing the big fish and vice versa like you shouldn't just be focused on the top tier at the expense of, of a larger mass of alumni season ticket holders and fans. Like, like there's, there's a way, there's a way to get everybody involved. And I think they're still trying to figure that out, but it just sounded like, you know, he's, he's probably, 
it's probably been a little more competitive, time consuming, and just generally overwhelming than he expected, I mm-hmm. think, um, is kind of the impression that I got. And it, you know, I, I, if I'm wrong, let, you know, let me know otherwise, Troy, but I think, uh, I just think it's been, it's been dog eat dog out there in this, this young NIL world and, and it's changing rapidly. He said he doesn't think it's sustainable and that it's all going to change within the next three to five years. And that's probably true, but we don't exactly know how. So I think you can only, you can only play the game that's, that's in front of you right now. And, uh, and always have an eye on how things are changing. And, and, and I, I think that's, that's just kind of how it has to be. I'd be interested. I, uh, and when we can get him on the show, uh, I would be interested to, to get him, get a prediction out of him on what, where he thinks it's going to go. Yeah. Uh, because I mean, I think everybody has their hypothesis sure, uh, and theories, but, uh, yeah, I, and that might be one of the reasons like why more people haven't started to to be more forthcoming with their giving to this sort of thing it's like well if i if i think this is going this direction in this amount of time maybe i don't want to throw money at it and and what happens when everything what happens all that money when like nil switches to just payroll (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's a good question i mean you just donate it back to the university as payroll money I think that I think I mean to be fair that might actually like work out decently and not be a complete cluster. Mm. You know, it, it goes back to the university as a donation, uh, and you come up with the the Billiken Victory Fund. Put the name Billiken Victory Fund Baseball, uh, you know, Billiken Sports Center by the Billiken Victory Fund or something like that. Right. Um, we talked. We just spent about five minutes talking about how they weren't going to prioritize NIL for high school. I know. And then we get the probably this is the most blindsided. I think any of us have ever been uh, by a commitment. Well, I, I don't know if I'd say that because we have had commitments before where we just like like think about this past spring, like some of the international. players. Yeah, you no, know, they, so sorry. Sorry. I mean, like we were not expecting mm-hmm. we were expecting something different like we, were we weren't ex- expecting him like we knew we knew he was interested in in the billikens but like correct we thought he was headed somewhere else that's right it, it the slew was in the top three for jaquavis williford um out of las vegas who's playing at middlebrooks academy in los angeles along with Oregon State and UNLV. And we kind of, we looked at the top three and his timeline and everything. And I think the rumors we were hearing is that he'd probably stick with one of the West Coast schools and it would be a couple more weeks. And within 48 hours, he had committed to SLU. <laughs> and uh, and that was just, yeah, it was a happy surprise, Zach. Um, it was late at night on Wednesday the 18th. He announced his commitment to SLU via his Instagram account and and shows us over those other two schools. He had just confirmed that those were his final three a few days prior um, so the, so again, that's why kind of the timing was a bit of a surprise just to sort of refresh on him. He's listed at six, six, uh, but he, he's got the kind of frame to me that maybe it's just my eye, but it looks like he's th- growing still like he's growing into his frame. He's long, he's athletic, he's skilled scores on three levels. He's got a consistent left-handed jumper, got some range, a little bit unorthodox form, but really, really consistent, good mid-range game. And he's a strong finisher with a lot of bounce. He's a versatile vocal defender, and 
it's a really nice first piece in that 2024 class, you know, is you, you hope we can hang on to this guy for a full, for almost a full year. Uh, because I, I look at a player like this as somebody with a lot of upside and uh, he's, he's just really intriguing to me in that way. And, and, and I'm excited about this, uh, this commitment. Yeah. I, the people I talk to uh, about this kid is, is uh, they, they just say that he is complete. And I think that the image that he used in his commitment was perfect for uh-huh. from what I've gathered. He is completely obsessed with basketball. Yeah. Obsessed with it. And I, I think that's the kind of player you saw or the kind of attitude you would see when Majerus was here. You know, you talk yes. about your, I, I mean, those, you had to be just an absolute basketball junkie. Like, I, I mean, truly a basketball. I don't mean like you love to watch basketball. I mean, you like, you have to, like, it has to be your favorite thing on earth to deal with a guy like Rick Majerus on your ass every practice. That's right. And and to go back to that image that you're referring to from his Instagram, it's, it's a picture from his visit to SLU. He is laying on the floor. His head is on a basketball. His hands are over his chest, knees up, and he's kind of laying there on the floor. The hoop is behind him. And in this one, there because there's a lot of black space in, in the, the top and background of the photo, big, bold, white letters, committed, tall letters. And uh, it's it's a cool image. And you're right. It just looks like, like what is he trying to convey there? Like, basketball is all I think about it. Yeah. And uh, it's it's a really cool image. Go follow him, by the way, on Twitter and Instagram. He's on at Instagram. It's F-E-M-A underscore Jaquavis Will. So he cuts off his last name there. Um, and then and then he's on Twitter as well. If you look up Jaquavis Williford, you'll find him there. His handle is different. But yeah, as the newest edition, you know, go find him. Check out these uh, these these pictures that we're talking about. And Zach, yeah, I I, I really like this commitment. I got to say, uh, I got to hand it to him. And it was really the other element that you, that you you touched on that was so surprising. We had just heard a few days earlier the the leader of our Billiken Victory Fund say we're just not focused on on high school recruiting yeah. as much. And then here we go with our with our first fall commitment for the high school class. So. I'm happy that that contradicted what I had feared a little bit because this is exactly the kind of player that that I would, you know, you're beating out schools that, you know, Mountain West, what's left of the Pac-12, you're beating out schools that are kind of at our peer group. And there's a lot, I think if we're focused on retention, if you can get a high schooler in like this, maybe a guy who's a late bloomer, a little bit under-recruited overall, get him in. And then once he turns out to be a nice player, Focus on retaining him and, yes. and not losing him to a bigger program. If that's what you're saving up your funding for, this I, I really think that you can build a roster that way and there's value to be had rather than overpaying for a, a grad transfer who might or might not work out. So kudos to the staff, Victory Fund, everybody who was involved in this. I, I like this a lot. Um, Open practice. Let's talk about players that are on the roster right now, yeah. Pete. Uh, October 20th from 4 to 6 p.m., uh, the Billikens opened up their practice. Um, and I am hearing that uh, the it was a lot of pressing and a lot of up tempo basketball, Pete. I, I, I'm I might be believing that, and in, in year number eight, Travis Ford has finally told us the truth. He's he's got he's got what he's got on this roster and he's going to play to their strengths, huh? 
I think so. I, so, I, I don't think he has a choice right now. So just to be clear, you weren't able to make it down there for any of it. No, I went for a run instead. <laughs> I decided, <laughs> I, I, I said, you know what? I'd rather torture myself uh, 30 times, one minute up the hill, one minute down. That's fascinating to me. I would rather do anything on earth than run. I, I... That is why our show <laughs> is the I best. We bring, we bring, we bring very different mentalities. Yeah. I, to I don't the, look to the show. I don't think anybody has seen me before and mistaken me for a runner, but nevertheless, Zach, I, yeah. I, I would, I would have been happy to sit in the gym and watch this. I, I also wouldn't, to be fair, I wouldn't have gotten down there to like 530, 545. So you would have missed yeah. most of it anyway. Nah. So. so, so okay. So we let, let's run through some of these players. So you're saying that you're hearing they're playing faster, but what are we hearing about individual players? It seems like there's two guys in particular who seem to universally get the most praise out of everybody who is seeing this thing. Yeah, uh, Hughes and Parker, glowing reviews uh, for these guys. I think Matt Rocchio, isn't that, is that who it is? Uh, yeah. Called him Westbrook Light. That was Sincere Parker uh, he was talking <laughs> about. Um, uh, Parker, was he, they said he was scoring from everywhere. Uh, he obviously could be the leading scorer. Uh, you know, Jimerson was last year. But, you know, if they're dual threats, that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, and that'll sure. be huge. Uh, Cause we like surprisingly, we really only had one scorer last year. I, I don't think anybody thought that was going to be, you know what I mean? Like we didn't have dual uh, or we didn't have, I think we thought there was going to be a, a leading scorer every game. It was just going to be different. And, well, and it I, really wasn't. I think last year that what it came down to is we thought we were getting Javante Perkins as we knew him before his knee injury back you know, Javante at his, his pinnacle. And we just didn't have that. He didn't have that burst. He was clearly not a hundred percent himself. He was tentative on his knee. He just wasn't the same player. And had he been the idea of him and Jimerson out on the wings, is just like, it's too much to contend with. Yeah. Right. And then you, you surround him with all these role players. So you see why heading into the season last year, we had all this optimism and it just didn't work out like that. You know, Perkins just wasn't there, but if you've got a guy like Parker who could step up and now be that across from Jimerson, and if Hughes can shoot like he did in this this scrimmage where he just couldn't miss, um, that's a big X factor. If if he can stay on the floor, um, I heard his defense was good too, by the way. So that that's how you're going to stay on the floor for a Travis Ford team. But if you can defend, keep yourself on the floor, and consistently hit a jumper like that. You can you can kind of see where this back backcourt could be a little bit of a problem, you know, like like one to three, we could be dangerous, and we're just talking about the first couple guys here. Yeah, I I think uh, you know I I'm optimistic, man, about the backcourt. I mm -hmm. I feel like it's just going to be uh, this this season just feels like man, if we had a front court, man, if we had, people are going to be like Zach, shut the hell up, dude. You've said yeah. that fifty times, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, look, look, we're worried about the front court in a few different ways right now. They're young, they're not fully healthy, and they're not fully eligible. And those three things have us all like kind of concerned. And it's a, sh it's a shame because we have the opposite problem at guard. It's, it's like everybody's healthy, everybody's ready to play, and everybody looks really good. And it, it, it just, it all amounts to a lot of depth. Yeah. Um, uh, Tim Dalger, I guess we'll get to him. Yeah. 
people thought he was solid, you know, like kind of a guy who just does a little bit of everything. And um, he seems to have a good energy, good, good team player, a lot of good positive vibes, good spirit out there. Um, I think he'll be a nice addition. I don't think he's going to the kind of player is going to put up giant numbers or anything like that, but it sounds like he's going to fit a really nice role on this team. Yeah. I, I thought I didn't realize that Dolger was as tall as he is. He's six, six. Yeah. Right. That, yeah. That, that one, it's funny that TJ's playing center and, uh, Dolger's taller than him. Yeah. And, and, and that's, it was so interesting to me that you know, so Ford weird. and everybody else keeps talking about Hargrove as the guy who would fill in in that spot. I'm like, well, Dalger's at least two inches taller than him, right? But look, he's never really played that role before either, though. So he's always yeah. kind of a, a wing forward. And Hargrove did for a hot minute play that at, uh, I mean, at times he played that role for East St. Louis. Well, he did everything for East St. Louis, you know, like like he he played for a different coach every year for the team. I mean, he did, he did everything for that team. So there's no question that he's got that sort of versatility and that, that willingness to step in and do whatever he's asked. Uh, I don't question that at all about Hargrove. I just, I just feel like if we're, we're lining him up out there like that more than one time, it kind of, it speaks to bigger issues with the, with the roster. Yeah. Um, I, I am, I am excited about Sion Medley. I mean, if he can be, you know, 75% of like freshman Yuri Collins, I, I'll take that all day, every day. I think he's pretty clearly going to be the point guard that they're they're moving with, moving forward with, right? Like they've got Mike Meadows to kind of help him in this bridge year as he's a freshman. And look, people liked what they saw out of him. He is small. He's small, right? And he's still he's still getting up to speed offensively, but he's quick. He's skilled. I really liked what I saw from him in in all of his high school highlight videos and a lot of that is is helped by the fact that he was surrounded by like some of the highest level talent in high school like that his team was stacked and and that helps but he moves really well he's he's a really athletic kid he's not big but you do not have to be a big point guard to thrive in this league we've seen it time and time again just about every team in the a10 by now has had a under six foot guy in the last decade who has really done well at the point guard position so I'm not too worried about his size. I think he's going to be fine. It's just going to be a little bit of a learning curve. Uh, you mentioned Meadows. He ran the point for the other team, and and the reviews were, were again, much like Dodger, solid. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, he look. He's a guy who he he he's had games in college, big performances against big opponents, and uh, I, I don't know if I'm expecting him to have and many, if any of those at SLU where he just goes off. Um, I, I just don't know if that's, you know, I think Isabel? this is a little bit deeper Isabel backcourt. Time? Sure. If he wants to be late season, Isabel, I, I'm all for that. Um, and he can start early in the season if 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 he wouldn't mind. But I, I just think he's going to be steady, right? Like he's he's one of those guys, like he's he puts up fairly consistent averages every year. Um, his numbers don't jump up and down a lot. He's a good free throw shooter, doesn't turn it over a ton. I just think he's going to be a really steady presence there to kind of play that combo guard along with uh you know if if medley is going to be the one yeah i mean I, I think you you hit on the the uh you know take care of the basketball and i think that's going to be big this year we saw a lot yes. of good things out of yuri collins but one of the knocks on him was you know kind of held on to the ball too long ended up turning it over um and and then we didn't have really the defense uh 
to to make up for those turnovers. Sure. Um, talk about Kerchich. Um, he he could be the last guy in the rotation, but yeah, yeah. So he's one of those guys. Like when we got him and a couple other, you know, like Steph. Magasa, those are the three guys I had kind of penciled in as like no expectations this year, right? Like I, I just don't know if we'll see much of them. Well, you know, maybe they'll be kind of that. Um, you know, we've we've had international players recently who just haven't come in and played a whole lot, and that that's kind of what I was expecting. But he's looked really good. Like he's he's holding his own in 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 practice, and we're seeing that his shot looks great. And and I think people have kind of raised an eyebrow a little bit, like he might be ready to go a little bit sooner than we thought. So he's one of those guys who maybe instead of being like Lawrenceone, who like never got in, you know, down at the end of the bench, maybe he's a guy who you can't keep out, you know, uh, the the whole season. And he, he winds up getting eight, 10 minutes pretty consistently. I, I you know, wouldn't mind seeing that at all. If we're going to go pretty deep at guard, um, then, then yeah, we're going to need to run them all. Yeah. I always hope that like some of these guys like come in with a little more, uh, ex- not necessarily experience, but a little more, um, God maturity. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a little more mature game over in Europe, uh, in the under 18, uh, side of things. I, I just feel like you're brought up a little quicker. Uh, a little, you're treated a little more like a uh, like a professional earlier yeah. than you are yeah. here. Well, it's a lot more of a quasi professional structure, right? I mean, right. like, and I think that's starting to kind of happen over here. The way AAU is evolving, and and players are just traveling a lot more, and they're they're having to grow up a little bit faster, and and those kinds of things. So I do think it's we're probably catching up to that side of things in, in that sense. Um, but yeah, I don't disagree with you at all. Like like those guys have. Um, by by the time they're at this point, they speak multiple languages. They've been all over Europe and probably all over the world. And it's uh, it's just yeah, it's a different. If you you also wind up playing against bigger, older, more experienced guys in a lot of ways too. So um, not entirely surprising to see that he's got some toughness. And if his uh, if his shooting there is there, and he's not a liability on defense, he'll he'll see the floor. Um, somehow we still know more about Jack the Ripper than we do Kellen Thames. How is he so mysterious? Uh, I watched him play so much in like AAU and everything. And uh, I just, I I don't know what it is, Zach, and maybe it's just vibes. Maybe I'm just not listening or reading or hearing the right things. I'm just not hearing a whole lot about him coming into this season. And that hasn't really changed after the scrimmage. People just kind of said he was fine. I, I, it's insane because I mean, is it just that he doesn't? I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, I mean, when we got him, I thought of him as a developmental kind of player because the word was that he was still growing. Um, and I, you know, he's he's a versatile player. There's a, he does a lot of things well. Um, I, I kind of like what's there, but but yeah, I, I do want to start as a sophomore, start seeing him more, right, and kind of yeah. see uh, who who he is and what he what he's going to do, but. Yeah, I don't know. It was kind of interesting to me that just didn't see his name coming up much. Um, talk a little bit about Jimerson and Hargrove. Uh, I, Jimerson didn't seem to have a great practice. No. Uh, but some interesting news about Hargrove. 
Jimerson's shot really wasn't falling, which, you know, happens. It's fine. But I think we've seen that before. Right. It it happens. You know, shooters shoot and not every night is your night. Um, But people said Hargrove, the the one thing that was a little surprising is he looked like he's bulked up a little bit more. Um, It's interesting because, you know, there was that point uh they made it, there was a point made last season where he talked about how he had, he had kind of gained weight and he had cut a bunch of weight that's right um right. so maybe this was just a, a body recomposition uh, as they say in the uh in the lifting world yeah it, it could be and i mean it's if they're, if they're talking about playing him in the front court more then he certainly uh, was wise to to bulk up, and I don't know how intentional that was all along, uh, but nonetheless, hopefully he's uh, he's ready for that different kind of physical challenge. Um, let's talk about as a weirdo. It's it's an interesting, um, yeah. Let's talk about as a weirdo because we really don't even know if he's gonna be available or when. Yeah, if at all. And, and- this was an interesting one to me because it was the le- the least consistent of all of the players. Like between private messages, texts, uh, public, you know, people speaking on the forum or, or Twitter or whatever about what they saw in this practice, it was the most. You know, some people thought he was really good and that he's a load inside, and everybody else is going to have trouble stopping him. Some people thought his body language was bad and mm-hmm. that he just didn't look good and that if he's the guy we're in trouble and i was just like wait what is going on here so what we do know is he has a really big strong frame that part is undeniable we also know he could step out and shoot the three he did that a little bit um so it just really comes down to who do you believe or were you there do you (laughs) what did you see and i i i would like to know more but um yeah the 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 waiver really hangs over everything here until the waiver is resolved we just don't know if he's going to be available available this year or not i I the one thing I heard is that he he could be that kind of guy that fades into the background on some games and you'll wonder mm-hmm. where the hell he went and then other games he'll really if he's if he's locked in on a big game like he's he can be aloof uh, that was kind of the 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 uh, kind of the gist of what I was told yeah uh, and foul, again, foul trouble plays a role in that too you know, like he, like if he can stay out of foul trouble, that's a that's a good way to not, uh, that are a good way to stay more locked in. Yeah, um, Steph Van Bussel, uh, appears to be a work in progress. Uh, but actually, we're hearing uh, that uh, Abu Magasa might be kind of really flying under the radar right now among Billiken fans. Yeah, I think both of these guys were seen as more developmental bigs. And um, see, I thought Steph, I, I think maybe Steph didn't just because he's uh, like, like European. And I just automatically go with Martin Linson. Well, like he, so, he speaks Dutch. Yeah, he's a little. So he's like 6'10". He's big. He's got a really big frame. And I know we we commented on that when we first got him. Right. And I, I remember watching the video on him and thinking he looks pretty good. He looks sound. Uh, but but I think the, the game speed and everything is just going to take a while for him to catch up to. Magasa is a total mystery. And he's another one where he's he he when we first got him, people were wondering how tall he was because there were differing yeah. listings of his height. And I and my point at the time was 
normally you go with the higher one because these guys are teenagers they grow so like there are recruiting sites and and scouting services and things like that that don't get updated so you generally go with one that's taller because they're probably more recent and so then he comes over and he's listed at 66 on the roster and then people at the scrimmage were like no he's taller than 66 he's got to be so here we go again with with questions about heights and his in particular chicanery. but everything they said was that he actually looks like he might be uh, ready to go sooner than than staff so who knows um Zhang did not play uh overall it, it seemed like people were again optimistic about the backcourt <laughs> fear and uncertainty about the front yeah. court yeah, I, I think what happened here is all of like at the at a high level, those sort of pre-existing notions about the team were more or less reinforced, right? Like yeah. people thought, well, we're going to be strong at guard. They come out and they're like, whoa, we might even be stronger than we thought. And people are like, we're going to be a little challenged in the front court. And you know, I, I I think that's that that was reinforced as well, or at least there's just a, a big cloud of uncertainty over the front court at the very least. Yeah, I think. I think a lot of the negativity in the off season is, is clouding, you know, and the negativity is, is warranted and I've been guilty of it. Um, but I think it's overshadowed, uh, you know, the, the Brock vice, the, the CJ Nolan, uh, the now what, you know, the, the kind of, the stuff about uh, eligibility with as uh, mm. has really clouded how good Gibson Jimerson really was last season, uh, how good and surprising Larry Hughes was. Yeah. Um, you know, you looked off, you know, offensively at what sincere Parker did and in limited minutes, it was fantastic. Uh, so I think that really has clouded, uh, a lot of that, that, that where that optimism could come from. I, I just, yeah. I mean, really to me, this just kind of reminds me like I'm excited for the season to start and yes. see what these guys do, because like Parker is one of those guys where you can see he's being let off the leash this year. Right. And, and he's one of those guys in, in Juco when you just kind of let him go and do his thing, he could really go off. And he never really got that opportunity. So even in limited minutes where he winds up averaging more than TJ Hargrove, despite playing considerably fewer minutes a game, you could see it there. Right. But, but he just didn't stay on the floor that long this season. He's off the leash. And, and I'm really excited to kind of see what he does with that opportunity. We know Jimerson, we know what he can do. There's no denying that he's going to be a force to contend with. The league knows that he was first team all conference preseason. Like they know it. I I'm just, I'm sort of excited to see these, what these other guys do with their opportunity is really Absolutely. what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, We have, we have basketball. Uh, It's not necessarily meaningful basketball uh, in, in the scheme of the season. Excuse me. However, we have two exhibition games this week, Pete. Yeah. And we are going to give you a full rundown of their teams. I'm kidding. We're not. That is ridiculous. <laughs> I do not give a flying shit about Kentucky Wesleyan or Berea College. Uh, they play other than we better kick the living crap out of them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 1024. That's uh Tuesday night. 
against Kentucky Wesleyan. And then Sunday at three, five at 5 p.m. against Berea College, I believe. Yeah. So Kentucky Wesleyan on Tuesday night is at seven uh, p.m. And then that is Sunday, the 29th at 3 p.m. 3 p.m. Oh, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm going to the city game that night. Oh, yeah. Okay. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad they're not competing with that. Um, Kentucky Wesleyan's a little past Evansville, just to kind of give you an idea. Down in Travis Ford country. Oh, yeah. Um, and we talked about how Berea College has an interesting setup for tuition or lack thereof. They do. They do. You should look them up. They're interesting. Go Mountaineers. Not in this uh, game, but. Yeah, no. Uh, let's talk about what we want to see out of uh, the roster. Um, let's start with the flat out returners. The returners we know yeah. about. Uh, Gibson Jimerson, what do you want to see that tells you what, what, what in the reports from this game, what, cause you're not going to see this game, unfortunately not streamed anywhere. Ugh. Um, Gibson Jimerson, what do you want to see from him? Well, you've gotten the notes here, Zach defense. And, and, and I got to agree with that. I mean, like he, I thought he really stepped up his game and we talked about this a few different times last season. He stepped up his game in other ways, right? Like he just wasn't a shooter. He was and great, including defense, including defense. He was really good off the ball last season. He, he and Yuri had a good thing going. Um, we just want to see him take the next step on defense. I, I, I think he's one of these guys. Look, he's six, five, six, six. If he can defend, I got to think NBA teams know this guy's name and are going to like, you know, want to see him in summer league and what he can do. And maybe they want to kind of let, let hang on to him on a G league roster or something like that. You just cannot deny his shooting ability his quick release his high release. If if he could defend and, and like really, you know, show that he can hold his own against sometimes guys who are bigger than him. I think that's going to go a long way, not just for Slew, but for him. I mean, he could have a career in this this sport for a long time. Dear Lord, if Gibson Jimerson becomes a good defender, uh, this this is kind of funny because it'll be now four years that I've been doing mm-hmm. podcast about the Billikens, and it would make me a little bit of a profit. I think <laughs> I said when he came in that he had the best uh, chance of his class to make the NBA. Oh, for sure. And yeah. I think and I think that uh, defensively that would uh, a step a couple steps up on defense would would put him square on the radar of yeah. a lot of uh, organizations. Yeah. And if I could add to that, I think what else I would want to see is that he can still create and get his shot and, and be productive when Yuri isn't running the point. We just yeah. don't know what he looks like with another point guard. So that's no. that's what's interesting to me. And also, I I do want to see him kind of take that step on offense where he does uh, create a jump shot a little more. Mm -hmm. You know, he did a little bit of that and he did a lot of driving to the basket. um, But I want to see him, you know, with the ball in his hands a little bit more. Be a little more dangerous with the ball in his hands. Yeah. The dribble. Um, Larry Hughes, too. So from from him, I would want to see somebody who, number one, I want to see him defend, right? Like we're hearing his defense is good. We're hearing his shot is really good. 
but I want to see him sort of build out that guard skill set a little bit. And in in, at first in the offseason, we're hearing we might see him play some of the one, and I did not see that in him last year at all. I kind of see really, him. yeah, I know, and I don't agree with everybody on this. I know, I know not everybody sees it the same way I did, but I thought he was kind of loose with the ball, like he just didn't have a really strong on ball presence, presence if yeah. that makes sense. And I didn't see a whole lot out of his passing ability last year. So I just kind of want to I want to see him prove himself more as an all-around guard. Um, but, but yeah, if 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 he winds up being a three and D guy too, certainly he's got size and and ability and and stuff like that. He's got but the yeah, pedigree. Yeah, I I want to see him build out his his guard skill set. How about you? What do you want to see out of Hughes Jr.? I want to see a leader. I want to see him step up and be a little more of a presence on this team. I think mm-hmm. I, I just mentioned that pedigree. And I think he brings so much just osmosis, passed down knowledge of the game and just yeah. understanding of the game. Uh, he's learned from a pro his entire life. I want to see him step up and be a, a dude like right. that this team looks to at crunch time and be like, okay, what are we doing? Like, you, you do, what, what are we doing here? Um, so I want to see him take on that that role of being an upperclassman early. Like yeah. I think he's got it in him. I want to see it sophomore year. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Um, sincere. What do you want to see out of sincere? Don't worry about what I have in the notes. Yeah. But I think we. I'm gonna without. I you know. I have the notes behind the Zoom window right now, so I don't. I don't can't remember what you wrote. Uh, but I think we want the same thing. Like I, I talked about him being let off the leash. I just want to see him cook. <laughs> That's what it comes down to for <laughs> Hold me. Up, let him cook. Let sincere cook. Uh, I don't, I don't have super high expectations for his defense. We talked to him. You and I talked to him when he was new about his defense, yeah. and 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 we he kind of razzed himself a little bit. He was like, "Look, <laughs> you know, God, that feels so long ago." It does feel long ago, but, but like he, he talked about like his, his Juco coach was always like, you're as good a defender as you want to be. Right. Like, and so he's always been kind of a defense optional player and I want to see him not be a liability on that end, but I really just want to see him be just an undeniable offensive player who scores on three levels. I thought he showed a lot of that, uh, that kind of LeBron chase down ability on defense. Mm. I thought he was able to defend with his, athleticism a little bit again i want to see him be a little more um um clinical clinical on defense yeah i think majerus would say like well he shouldn't have to chase a guy down like yes fundamental he he should you should be keeping him in front of you yes that's what i want to see from him terrence hargrove jr (laughs) this is uh this is the one where I would say leadership. He's always yeah. been the most vocal player on a team. Like last year's team was not a vocal team. And and he, he was kind of that look, this is his last year, right? Like, like be the leader, be the guy who steps up and owns this team. Um, he's a big personality. He's a, he's a locker room guy. He's a glue guy. Everybody loves TJ. I, I want to see him really be that dude, you know, in terms of in terms yeah. of his leadership ability, the intangibles uh, that we don't see in the stat sheet. Um, that that's that's what I'm hoping for more than anything out of him this season, because I think this is a team with so many new faces 
they really need that anchor, that leadership. Yeah. I want to see him lead by example too, though. I want to see him lock in on defense. I want to see him rebound. Yeah. I want, you know, he's going to have to be a dog on the glass. Yeah. He really is because he's going to, I am terrified that he's going to end up with a million over the back fouls this year. If mm. he, if he's going to keep playing this, the five position, but he has got to uh, go to the Jordan Goodwin school of rebounding undersized rebounding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like that. Uh, let's talk about the returners. I just want to see Kellen Thames on the court. Honestly. Same. Yeah. I just want to see, I, I want him to put on his basketball shoes. I want him to take off his warm up shirt and I want mm-hmm. him to walk out on the court and play basketball. That's right. I, I, I think he has that. Um, this season, I'll say he has that kind of role player ability, you know, yeah. like I, I think the, the pieces are there, but you're right. I want to see, I want to see who he is. I want to see more of that. New places for fresh faces. Uh, let's talk about Dalger. Yeah. So, so Dalger, I think in Tulsa, he averaged about 10 and five. And uh, I, I, what I want to see from him is uh, energy, effort, efficiency, you know, I I, I want to see him defend. I think there have been some questions about his defensive ability. He he strikes me he's like this all around guy, right? But um, I just don't know how solid he is. Like I think he does a lot of different things, but I don't want to see him shooting, you know, thirty four percent from the field uh, on the season. I, I want to see a guy who's who's consistent, who's efficient, and uh, you know makes good decisions out there. Uh, he's another one. He's he's a veteran and. Um, I, that, so that's what I want to see from him. It's just to be like, I'm not going to say he's Javon best, but I want to see him be like, just solid. Like, yes. Right. Just, just a a guy who doesn't make mistakes. Yeah. I want him to be a mistake free basketball player. Right. Um, Mike Meadows. Yeah. Kind of the same thing with him. Right. Like, cause you're now you're looking at another, uh, grizzled vet who's been a few different places and really experienced. I want to see him be the guy who stewards the transition uh, from Yuri Collins to Sion Medley at point guard, right? Like when, when Medley has the keys next season to be the point guard of this team, I, I want to see that go well. I want to see that, that smooth and, and going against a guy, you know, Medley is small. He's fresh out of high school, going against a guy who's a grad transfer. Um, I, I think that's good. So I, I would have seen Meadows be solid this year. I, and I guess the other thing I would add is I want to see him be more productive than some of the other, you know, grad transfer guards we've had in, in, in recent years, like a, um, Oh, more geez, of an Isabel. I mean, well, Isabel took a while, right. Before yeah. he became that guy. But I want to see him be more productive. Why Assertive. am I forgetting names all of a sudden? Who was the guard from Central Arkansas? Jones. Um, no, no, Jones is, is still on the roster. Bro. Ter- not not Jones. Uh, anyway, I want to see. Yeah, him I be know more... who you're Williams, Rashad Williams. Rashad Williams was just not a fit. We brought in a, a you know a guy who needs to heat up shooting. He needs minutes and run, and he never really got any minutes. Um, so, so he was just not really a fit period. Uh, but yeah, Zach, I'm stalling right now because I'm, I'm absolutely looking it blanking up. on it's names. DeAndre Jones, DeAndre Jones. Yeah, I had it. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't think of his first name. Good Lord. 
Uh, but anyway, DeAndre Jones just—I I just feel like we didn't get the production out of him that that we could have used, and maybe it's just because Yuri was was sort of blocking him. But if, if Meadows is going to be in more or less in that role, um, which I don't necessarily think he is because he's not sitting behind a Yuri Collins, right? Uh, I just want to see more production out of him. Um, anyway, that that so that's kind of my hope there is good production, but really that he helps us, you know, and our point guard of the future transition smoothly um let's talk about the youngsters real quickly because i think there's there's some where, where it's just you, you just get out on the court yeah uh Sian medley i want to see him flash some brilliance have an understanding of what the goal is i want to see him move the ball quickly and i want to see his minutes increase over the course of the season yeah I want him to go from the freshman who is learning we to were just the guy about the who's like, though. yeah, I got, Oh, we're just talking about the, yeah. Exhibition what what do you okay. want to see in an exhibition? Cause, cause I mean, there's really nothing to really talk about. Yeah. Okay. Then it, other it, than. Yeah. All right. In an exhibition game, you know, yeah, you're right. I want to see flashes. I want to see his ability. I want to see him move the ball. I want to see him uh, hustle, defend. Yeah. You know, all those I think defend, things. I think defend is the one thing we defend the three. I want to see everybody on this in this group of players defend the three yeah that's right uh georgie i want to see him shoot on the court okay yeah, yeah. i want to see him shoot I, like right. you're the guy who can shoot i want to see him shoot yep um abu magas i want to see flashes of yeah i want to see him step up in this one i want to see a lot of him in this game yeah because i want to see if if people are saying that he could be a a, a contributor Mm-hmm. let's see it he's a total total unknown to me uh right so so he's just one i just want to see who he is and what he does i want to see how tall he is <laughs> yes i want i'm gonna go st- i'm gonna go try to find him after the game and with a measuring tape excuse me <laughs> so excuse can you stand against abu, this one? abu um how, can you give me one second let me just shoes hold, off, on, hold on i gotta yeah i gotta click the thing so it stays so it doesn't <laughs> cut my hand yeah uh yeah i want to find out how tall he is i'm gonna that is my goal for uh, Tuesday night. Yeah, there you go. Um, I've left a couple here to the end, and mm-hmm. two of them are youngsters, and the third one is the grad transfer. And I would put them all under. Uh, I don't. Uh, they've. I, I'm putting them all under eligibility in question because all of them at one point have been either in need of a waiver or just general ruling by the NCAA. Correct. Um there was there was there's talk that Ezawero's waiver paperwork may not have been submitted in a timely fashion. Um so I don't know again will he play? Um and then there were questions on Bruce Shang and Steph Van Bussel. Um, yeah. Steph, Steph is one that I actually hadn't heard about until mm-hmm. recently. But I know that, you know, one one of the major things with bringing in these international players is the, the school systems in their country. Steph Van Bussel could be an absolute Einstein. Mm-hmm. But like in the but the way that the Netherlands schools in high school and college like it's different 
Sure. It's just completely different. So a lot of it is trying to explain to the NCAA what that means and why that makes them eligible, why that equals a high school diploma and a grade point average. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's interesting. Uh, again, Steph, I don't know, but the Bruce stuff, obviously there were questions that uh, he played professional. Like there were some, that, I don't, I didn't even understand to be honest, like the, the quotes from that Chinese article, I didn't even understand. Yeah, the article is something that we had seen when we first got him. And, you know, I, I brush stuff like that off because, like, quite frankly, I don't know the professional system in every other country and how it works and yeah. the different tiers and how some is like, well, he could he could play professionally, quote unquote, but still maintain NCAA eligibility if he were to come over here, you know, by a certain age. In his case, he did. It did seem like there was a professional team that had recruited him and and paid his expenses to come play for them and things like that before he came over and played at that prep school in Georgia. So when that article resurfaced, I assumed that was the big issue, right? Like, yeah. And that resurfaced right at the same time that he was said to be out with a knee injury. And it was just, it was weird timing, right? There's a lot so of alarm bells. And then you throw in. That's, that's right. Alarm and then, bells. And then all you at throw once. in the, you know, the, the, uh, the job posting on, yeah. on workday uh, yeah. for a new compliance director. Right. It's just all very much, you know, Charlie Day. Yeah. You know, connecting, connecting the, the red yarn. Yeah. Yeah, the, right. yeah. It's like I'm, it's like uh like one of those uh, true crime documentaries on Netflix. Yeah. yeah, it just there were a lot of things, there were a lot of alarm bells that went off. And I mean, I've I, I believe that you know, just a ruling that really had to had to be figured out, but it's something that should have been caught and figured Cleared out. Cleared by now. Oh yeah. I mean, it should have been if it was an issue coming up recently, like that's a problem. Like there yeah. were there were message board morons that find that article. Right. Right. Many of them. Like it came to us from multiple people. Yes. So like, yeah, a lot of people were like, what's going on? What's going on? Yeah. It, but yeah, you're right. Bottom line is like a few different things came up about a few different players in the course of a few days. And it was just like alarm bells everywhere. And, and we're all wondering what that means for our front court moving forward. Now, the one thing I'll say, the international players, they don't need waivers. They just need rulings from the NCAA. Right. Thumbs up, thumbs down. We're all good. We're all set here. Paperwork is signed off. We're good to go. In Brad's case, he needs an actual waiver from the NCAA to be deemed eligible to play. And as we saw with football and as we're seeing with basketball now, these are these are these come out at a crawl, right? Like it's not just like on on October 1st, everybody finds out their decision and then they can appeal from there. It's like, no, no, no. These come out at a trickle, just like one or two at a time. We just heard like, you know, I live in Cincinnati and we just heard a few days ago, Cincinnati had two waiver requests denied for two different players who were going to be key contributors this year. They're appealing, but they were two-time transfers. So we just saw that a few days ago here in Cincinnati at UC. And uh, th that so that's kind of a big deal here at the moment. I don't know what it means for Brad. Every case is unique. But it's, it, I will say that's completely different than the international players. And I think 
even if the international players wind up having more kind of weird red tape and things like that, that can carry on and it's an easier fix. In like, it's an easier, quicker fix. You're right. So I, I'm a little more optimistic about any questions about Bruce and Steph being cleared soon, very soon. Yes. With and, Brad, I do not know what to guess. I really and, don't. And with the international players, like no matter what or when that the issue arose, uh, SLU having SLU may not have a compliance director right now, but they have Janet Overly. Who, Overly, who yeah, and that's her background. Complete, complete compliance genius. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't have any specifics, but I know that she works some magic in the Majerus years. Sure. Yeah. I know she absolutely worked magic then. Yeah. So there's, there's no question that, that, you know, that we have senior leadership there who knows what they're doing and, and that's good. So, so hopefully all this gets cleared up sooner than later, but Brad is to me, that's the biggest. Yeah. And, 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 concerning question mark. and the concerning point is, is that the, the rumor that it was not filed timely. Which... Well, I mean, like, look, we had that job posting that suddenly popped up and you're like, if they're that, that is the kind of job it's, it's a university job, athletic department jobs, professor, like university yeah. jobs. You're talking about like, those are spring summer things, right? Like if one comes up in October, that's yeah, that, that to me implies like, yeah, something didn't get done the way it was supposed yeah. to. And, uh, and that's a little concerning, you know, we've seen. We've seen some recent uh, NCAA basketball coaches all of a sudden being put on leave in October. And usually it's it's never for good reasons, right? Um, yeah. You know, so anyway, oh, well. um, we, can, we can only speculate on that front. Correct. I, correct. I, uh, I, I really think with the international players, we should we should know pretty soon. Yeah, um, that's kind of half the reason I want to go on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, right. Is to find out if we got guys. Yeah, well, uh, Bruce is still a little dinged up, so he might be a couple weeks out. But um, A10 Media Day was Tuesday the 17th. Uh, I don't think we need to be belabor the point here. Uh, Slew was picked to finish sixth in the league with Jimerson as a first-team all-conference selection, besides the fact that we've given the, the people an hour of Billiken basketball talk. Um, there's not much more to say. I mean, really, there's yeah. what, what else is there to say from this? Uh, uh, Dayton was picked first. VCU was picked second. Uh, no big surprises overall. I don't know. I thought like of all of the preseason rankings we've seen, these seemed a lot less weird than a yeah. lot of the other ones. So I don't know. I don't I, really have any other comments on it other than I'm happy to see Gibson Jimerson get first team honors. I, I think we finished top half of the league or not top half, but I think we finished fifth uh, with, with as I really do. It's very, very likely. I mean, we've got to remind people this league is not good right now. No, so. it's not. Um, Billikens in the NBA. It's a weird thing to talk about. Technically, Billikens in the NBA slash G League. Sure. Uh, but Yuri Collins signed a contract with Golden, the Golden State Warriors. It's a two-way deal, I believe. Or is it a G League contract? Yeah, so so f what you really basically need to know about this is he and a couple other guys signed these contracts with Golden State, and it's going to fundamentally end them up on their G League team, right? Like that. that's – I don't un always understand all of the mechanics of NBA contracts and how they work, and it's a really complicated landscape, you know, for a, yeah. a sport with relatively small rosters. But at the end of the day, what we need to know is that this, this will – 
make him wind up on their G League roster, and that's that's a good thing. Uh, Pete, tell us about Jordan Goodwin. What's he up to? Man, what is he not up to? Like, so look, he he goes from Washington, where he had a great opportunity, over to Phoenix, and and I think the initial read from Billiken fans was that like. Phoenix was pretty wide open at point guard, right? Like, like heading into this season, they, they were, they had real star power at every other position and point guard was the one that was a little bit more of a question mark. And we thought like Goodwin had a real opportunity in the backcourt to play. Uh, But, you know, then in the meantime, they make all these other transactions and you go, well, I don't know. Does he have room here? Does he have room there? All he's done, Zach is go and do exactly the thing that he did at Washington was like, take this little opportunity and just go out there and give them Jordan Goodwin minutes, offensive rebounds, steals, assists, like just everything. Poking you could LeBron ask in the eye. Yeah, giving a, a full <laughs> palm in the face of LeBron James, where it really looks like two Di- fingers and two disrespectful eyes. in the best possible way. <laughs> he is he is absolutely that guy who is a pest and who is going to earn an NBA pay- paycheck for a long time. Because he goes out there and just makes himself undeniable. He's such a throwback. Like uh, he just feels like I've never been an NBA guy, but it feels like the nineties when I watch him play the two early two thousands when I watch him play. But, but also like he's, he's a player. He's just like that automatic fan favorite, right? Fans like the guys who are a little unexpected and he's not, He's not huge. He's not like this this elite lights out shooter or like athlete that you've never seen before. He's a guy who goes out there and plays his ass off, and like you just love him. Like you can't help but love him. Like yeah, he's he gonna plays hit the his floor ass and... off for forty minutes, and then he goes and signs autographs for two hours after the game. Like he's yeah. that kind of dude. He is, right, right. So he he's just he's really, I mean, what what can, like he, immediately he's going to be a fan favorite. You just he's, know it. He's old, reliable, just like two men in the garden. <laughs> now there's, there's a transition, right? Uh, if I've ever heard one. Hey, I'm getting better at him every day. Old and reliable, Zach, but they also have new flavors. And I, I, I have to talk about Smoky Barbecue. I had kind of said, like before, I was a little intrigued by this new flavor on their website. And I didn't really know what to expect in terms of, of pickles. But what I will say is, if you're getting the Smoky Barbecue, and I think you should, it's got a bread and butter pickle base. And I didn't really think of this as I as I got them because they've got their bread and butter. They've got their more traditional dill pickles. And they've got this smoky barbecue. And I didn't know if it would be a whole new sort of flavor profile. But imagine you take the bread and butter pickles and then you add this extra dimension. That's the smoky barbecue. And that's really what you're working with here. So if you think you're getting more of the acidic kind of dill pickle thing, it's not quite that. It's a little bit sweeter. But you've got the sweet, you've got the smoky. It's a really interesting pickle, I got to say. And uh, I loved him. And I think you, listening to this podcast, everybody, uh, should make it a point to go get a jar of these wherever you can find them. Local grocery stores around St. Louis or at twomeninagarden.com. Go get the smoky barbecue. I want to hear your thoughts on these because I could pretty much guarantee you've never had a pickle like this before. Really, really unique product. From, from a company that, as Zach says, is very reliable. TwoMinuteGarden.com. Check them out. Uh, women's soccer. Let's kick it off with the women because, boy, they just took their fifth A-10 championship in six years. 
they didn't just take it zach but lately they've like kind of they just decided like okay this is ours now they have not I'm conceded a goal still not conceded a goal in as we pod right now four weeks and that was that one one tie against dayton and since then they're not just shutting teams out but they're like scoring more right like their first two games out of that tie were a 3-0 win and a 1-0 win. And since then, it's been four, five, six. St. Joe's, they the today, they or I guess yesterday, as you listen, a measly three goals and a shutout win. But like how dare they? They they took the league again with an absolute statement of an October. And uh and you you just have to tip your cap and just admire what they've done yet again. They they are truly incredible and I mean, the rankings are, are are representative of what they've accomplished. RPI 19, coaches poll 22, top drawer soccer 14, college soccer news. That's a nine-spot increase in RPI, four-spot increase in the coaches poll, and two in the college soccer news poll. Um, and, and I don't think – we're not going to get through this without – talking about gaby island <laughs> she has been extraordinary yes. you know she what's what's we haven't really talked about this much but she's when ever since she like one of the big reasons for this shift like that that we talked about like coming out of that tie and everything she has now moved to the starting lineup right like she she hasn't been starting before but now they're starting her up top in the middle and that wasn't the case before she was always the super sub yeah last year this year she was that super sub come in, give you the energy, give you a downhill player you can't stop. Ever since they started her, Zach, uh, she and and Kelly and that, that you know, Grog, that that upfront team up there, Larson out on the other wing, they cannot be stopped. I mean, that that's that's just, it's force, it's experience, it's skill. They know how to play together. And Gaby has emerged as one of the best all-around players that we've seen in a long time. I mean, like she has- Best ever. We we never talked about her passing before. No, uh, until Dude, did you see until the pass very she made today. I didn't see today's game. It was, it was unreal. I don't know how yeah. she saw how she found. Uh, I don't even know who it was to, but she found her across the field. I don't. I have no idea. It was beautiful. But but we talked about her finishing. We yeah. we always got on her about her finishing. It was like she she beats everybody down the field and kicks it right at the goalie. Like she had done that. So much, and she must have heard us, Zach, because yes, like her finishing yes. has been a- Emily gave you big clinical. fan of the pod lately i mean like she cannot miss and like throwing darts from across the other side of the net and and anyway yeah we'll we'll get to that too but man she, she's she's been unbelievable lately and and 4-0 duquesne on thursday the 19th who scores in the very first minute zach uh i believe it was emily gaby uh, on assist from caroline kelly yeah i think you here? Sorry, I didn't know you were going to leave. It oh right yeah, there. throw it, throwing it to you. I apologize for those two seconds of dead space. Yeah, throwing it to you for the explanation here. The Duquesne backline, I think, gets the other assist on this one, Zach. With with Gaby going downhill like she does, they just keep they kept backtracking almost all the way into the net. They're which like, is like, she's not going to beat us off the dribble, right? <laughs> if we just make a wall in front of the net, she'll never score. Right? Unbelievable to watch them just backtrack and backtrack and backtrack until she finally goes. Okay, I'll shoot now and buries it. And there we are, one nil in the first minute. And uh, I don't know why you would do that. I know you texted me right away 
if I were the Duquesne keeper, I would be so mad right now. Yeah, it was like that's one of those that that happens on like the half field like co-ed games. Yes, where where you get where you everyone can just get so close to the massive goal, and mm-hmm. the keeper can do nothing because uh, you know it's every shot is from the the penalty spot almost. Right, and you're like, but it was just like they kept backing up, like. Gaby's not going to beat us on the dribble. Not going to beat us on the dribble. Oh, shit. Yeah, uh, we're at the goal now. <laughs> yeah, uh, we've backed up too far. We've gone too far. Uh, yeah, ninth minute. Guess who? Guess who doubled her? Uh, doubled her money. It was Emily Gaby. Yeah, this time uh, no goalkeeper to beat, just two defenders. It started like <clears throat> a lot of the big plays in this game. Slew just pressured Duquesne hard to win every ball. And then they just carved up the defense after that in this one. Anna Lawler to Caroline Kelly to Emily Groark. Back to Lawler as she draws the keeper all the way out um, and got it over to Gaby with one defender in front of her and another one trying to catch her from behind. And Gaby just calmly put it away. And it's 2-0 before we're in the 10th minute. Um, A minute later, Hannah Larson uh, gets a ball in deep to Caroline Kelly. Uh, she tipped it in, but it was off sides. Um, on the next play, Kelly made what looked to be very faint contact with the goalie. Yeah, uh, I, went, I didn't see it on the replay even. It was very weird. Yeah, she went down for a minute, uh, stayed in, but uh, probably uh, came back. Uh, what does that say? She probably shouldn't have because her tormentor came right back at her. Uh, Caroline Kelly, you know, like put her on the ground there. I don't know. I still don't know why. You know, like like the, the Kelly was offsides. Keeper goes down. They come out to tend to her. I don't know what's going on there. But then less than a minute later, Kelly comes out and scores on her. It was just like, it was like a nightmare for that goalie, right? Like she's already seen Gaby over and over. And now here, here Kelly, phantom foul, you know, uh, injures her and then scores on her in the span of two minutes. This was the one where she passed it around her, right? She kicked it around her and then ran to it. Or she yes. kicked it past her and then ran around her. Around yeah, the defender. This was insane. Yeah. This was just ridiculous. No, and she actually did no. She didn't play it around her. She literally just ran around them. Yeah, yeah. The with the defense. Yeah, right. It was ridiculous. Like I've like again, this was like watching uh a te- a big 10-year-old play against smaller 10-year-olds. It was like yeah. watching like early, like a like a, a, a kid who's gone through puberty play against kids that are st- we're still waiting. Right. Right. It was ridiculous. Just goofing around with them in the driveway. It it, <laughs> it, it was like playing. You're playing a video game and you pick the best team and then you pick the worst team and then yeah. you can just run around or you put on easy difficulty. I, I was trying around at this point in the game. It's the 11th minute. We're up three nil. Gaby and Kelly are putting on a show, but it's like I kind of felt like they were toying with the back line in a way that was like I, I was thinking about our neighbor's cat who was like kind of an outdoor cat and it used to it used Where to just grab it would catch birds it would seriously like catch birds drag them out on the sidewalk until like you could see that they had them and just like bat them around until the bird like couldn't even fly anymore just because it could you know like like <laughs> Gaby and Kelly are like these, like, like they're just toying. They're apex them. predators. 
Apex predators toying with their prey because they can, not because they're hungry, but because they can. <laughs> and it's so funny to watch because, like, I just you just felt like Duquesne was absolutely helpless back there. Um, and it was I, surprising to me that we went so much longer without scoring again. I was posted up. Uh, I usually post up on the the scoreboard uh, on the scoreboard end uh, on the um, the press box side and. Usually I sit around in the vicinity of the baseball team and there was a few of them there and uh, uh, they were, the joke was uh, what are they, how, how many goals are they on pace to score tonight? And if you, I mean, it was 27 at one point. <laughs> That's what it would be after this 11th minute. Yeah. Yeah. It was 20, 20 the on pace for 27 <laughs> goals. And it kind of felt like it would go that way. You it know? did. So, yeah. I was very upset that it did not. But it is. It's one of those things where maybe you know you you take a little something off your fastball and work on the things you need to work on for the for for the A10 tournament sure. and then going beyond. Yeah, I think Duquesne had one shot at halftime. I don't remember if it was on goal or not. But Slew had 15 shots and eight shots on goal at halftime. Duquesne just had essentially nothing. Um. Yeah, not until the 84th minute uh, off a nice feed uh, from Jess Pricer. Jordan Gary had a clever chip shot that the Duquesne keeper managed to tip up off the crossbar. And out. I actually did this today in Sunday League, except it didn't hit the crossbar. I tipped it over. It was beautiful. You were the goalie um, in this case. Yes, correct. Oh, okay. I was, yeah, I was thinking you were Jordan Gary in this case, who oh, I felt no, bad um, for. Because I thought it was such a well-played ball, like really nice ball. But Duquesne's keeper, uh, you know, down but not out, actually made a play on this one. Uh, 90th minute, uh, Ashley Koch got the last touch after a mad scramble in front of the net off a corner kick. Slid a few touches, attempts, and Duquesne couldn't clear or hang on to the ball. Alyssa, Bach, Alyssa Bacchius and L.A. Pelusic, uh ended up with assists. Uh, Pete, run us down the stats in this one. Yeah, by the way, that goal, that was the second time in a row we've seen a freshman score in the 90th minute, uh, their first goal. Yeah, we had that one last week from from Macy Lutz. That was kind of a mad scramble in front of the net. But anyway, I thought that was uh, that was fun. Slew outshot Duquesne 31 to 4 in this game. Shots on goal were 14 to 1. Corners were 2 to 1. Fouls were 10 to 9. It was safe to say, Zach, it was all, all slew in this game. Yeah, that corners is odd. Yeah, I know. I know. It felt Weird. way, yeah, way different uh, than that. But anyway. Uh, the Billikens came back to win uh, on Sunday. Uh, not came back, but they, they returned to action on Sunday. Correct. Right. Uh, to win 3 nothing at St. Joseph's. Uh, the 22nd minute. Pete, would it surprise you if I said Emily Gaby scored? It would, Zach. I don't recall her being uh, a real threat. No, yeah, not at all. Uh, this was actually a, a real quick strike through ball. It was kind of a turn and just assume Emily Gaby's going to be running towards net. And yeah, sure as hell she was. And this uh, is that, that that was like the kind of finish where I was talking about. Too. Yes. Uh, just, you know, just a perfect finish. Uh, 56th minute, Emily Gaby corner kick bounced around in the box and fell to Gaby who tapped it in as cool as you like. Then in the 88th mm -hmm. minute, this one was a bit of, a quick strike as well. Long ball over the top. Sawyer got those fast feet moving in one V one and made no mistake. 
Pete, this was a biz- this was this had some bizarre things happen in this game. The goalie for the goalkeeper for St. Joe's had three stoppages due to injury. Mm. Three. They stopped it three times for for injury. She and never took her out. No, they did. They took her out. That's that's what's bizarre. They took her out late in the first half mm-hmm. or mid first half. Um, and she left the game. They brought in a backup goalie who actually is a lacrosse player at St. Joe's. She came in, was not wearing a goalie jersey. She was wearing a warm up jersey. Um, so did they not have another goalie they, on the roster? They, it's weird they, too they because not. the box score says she played 90 minutes. Uh, no, she came out for five to 10 minutes. Wow. Uh, and they put in this, this goalie, uh, and then they, uh, by the way, the Suns are planning to waive Keon Johnson. Okay. That's news. That's a Woj bomb. So news for Jordan Goodwin. There you go. Um, anyway. Yeah. So this player came in and she was like a lacrosse player that played soccer in high school. Hmm. And I guess they were, they didn't have any extra other goalies. I, I guess it was like the, uh, the, um, God, I'm blanking. Like the emergency goalie yeah. in the NHL. Yeah, it was bizarre. She came like she in. comes, she comes to the game with her duffel bag. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it was it was bizarre. And then they subbed the goalie back on, uh, like ten minutes later. Okay. And, and, but she went down like three times. It was it was insane. It was it was a tough day for her. She well, had three yeah, goals I mean... scored against, and she got roughed up. Well, and not to mention, like I'm looking at the stats here, slew 25, St. Joe's two in shots, 16 to one shots on goal. Um, she had to make 13 saves and, you know, corner kicks That's seven to right. one. Uh, fouls were pretty even in this one, 10 to seven St. Joe's. But uh, yeah, each team had a yellow. Anyway, um, yeah, this is in line with what we've seen in other recent box scores. And Zach, this is the time I also want to like remind people this is not Sluge who just had like a front loaded schedule or anything no. like all of the teams. They just brutalized are top eight teams like all in yeah. the uh, as we're going to find out in a second here. They're all in the tournament. Yes, they are. Uh, next up for the Billikens will be the first round October 27th at Herman. Uh, Pete, run us down uh, what happened the last time they played their first round opponent, which is Virginia Commonwealth University. Yeah, so this one was back in, uh, let's see, it was October 1st. It was the beginning of the month and SLU won 1-0. This is, it was actually their 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 smallest margin of victory um, since that, that tie against Dayton uh, about a month ago, excuse me. And the only goal was scored in the ninth minute by Emily Gaby. This is one where we really held on. And the really strange thing, Zach, is they were outshot 18 to 12, um, six to four and shots on goal. And I, I remember this game thinking kind of like, like, this is weird. It just feels different. Like, what's going on here? I mean, they certainly have not played like that since then. I'd like to think this slew, the way they're playing today is more formidable than they were, you know, four weeks ago, three weeks ago when they played this game. Um, but yeah, this, this, for whatever reason, seemed to be a little bit tougher opponent than anyone slew has run into since then. Uh, who scored the lone goal? 
Yeah, that was Emily Gaby in the ninth minute. So no so surprise. She, that, was that one of her first starts? No. Should have started. I you know what? I, I would have to look up. I'm gonna look yeah. up the stats right now on that and see what she started nine games. So no, she already would have been starting by then. Yeah. Um let's run down the bracket here. Uh obviously we got number one St. Louis uh taking on number eight VCU. Uh they will that will be uh the, the winner of that game will take on Massachusetts or Duquesne. Uh, LaSalle and Rhode Island will go head-to-head. That's a second and seventh seed. And then number three seed, Dayton, will play St. Joe's. So the Billikens will avoid Dayton until the championship, at least. But uh, LaSalle's not too shabby either. No, I mean, it was key for, for SLU to win today because you wanted to keep both of those teams, LaSalle and Dayton, on the other side of the bracket. LaSalle has been great in A-10 play. Uh, Dayton though is, is the one that might be better. You know, it's the team they struggled with. It's, uh, the one we got the tie Dayton is seven Oh and three in conference. So they're behind LaSalle who's eight, one and one. But the funny thing is Dayton is 12, one and five on the season. They've only lost once and Slew has lost twice. I know Slew's probably got a tougher schedule overall, but still, yep. and Dayton that, that overall record is better than LaSalle too, who has lost five times. It's just that they really buckle down in conference. So, um, just worth highlighting there that, you know, luckily we can only see one of those two teams. And I'd probably honestly rather see LaSalle. I don't know if I'd want to play Dayton again. Um, Although, you, yeah, the, I mean, Dayton's been out for blood, feels like. They're just yeah. tired. They're just sick and tired. Right, right. Uh, let's move over to the men's soccer. Pete, run us down the rankings for this week. RPI is at 24, uh, down from 20 last week. Coaches poll, they're not ranked, but they're 29th based on votes received. They had cracked it to just the top uh, 25 to be 25th the prior week. Top drawer soccer, they're unranked again. They were 21st last week. And then college soccer news, they also dropped out. They were 31 last week based on votes received. So the issue here is that Loyola loss, right? That's that's kind of what dropped them and everything. Yeah, we really thought um, – and. You look at, uh, you know, the the games from this week, and the Billikens had a really big opportunity. Davidson dropped a match to UMass. Yep. Um, and that meant that if the Billikens could beat the Flyers, they would take over sole possession of first place. And unfortunately, uh, they ended up with a 0-0 draw against Dayton on the 21st. Yeah, and they may have been lucky too, Zach. I mean, Galen Flynn, again, on the goal line, saved what very yeah. well could have been a goal on the last minute. It's bizarre how often this is happening. Yeah, like it's it's him, it's the goal line, it's late in games. I don't know what's going on there, but uh, but he saved them again. And uh, and yeah, it's disappointing because like Dayton's a mid-table team, right? Like they're, they're not as strong as they are on the women's side. They're kind of a 500-ish team and they tie a lot. And it's just, I don't know, it's it's not... It's not, it's, it's a look, Slew's men's team is it's a different team overall. They're not blowing teams out of the water, but it's still a game I thought they would have had more control over. And it was pretty evenly matched just watching it. Um, I don't know if you disagree, but it was alumni weekend and it was Socktoberfest. So all fans 21 and over at this game were able to sample Anheuser-Busch products on the hillside on the north end of Herman Stadium. Uh, Zach, tell me you took advantage of that. Traffic, man. Oh, you didn't get there in time? Dude, I left at like six and I didn't really get there until like 
645. Oh, no. It was ridiculous. I mean, like this whole weekend has been an absolute cluster down there. Thursday night, it was um, somebody, some speaker hmm. or whatever. And it, it was packed. And then God bless people for not taking that parking spot in front of uh, uh, that hotel. Like there's one spot that people yeah. won't take because yeah. there's no meter. Right. Uh, and since it's closed, who gives a shit? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I parked there and thankfully got over there. But And then Saturday, I, I don't remember. John Party. I don't know who that is, but. No idea. Uh, yeah, I didn't get really there to. It, it, by that time, I was like, ah, I'll just go sit down. Um, yeah, I like this idea, though. I like the idea. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, yeah. It's a nice uh, event for alumni weekend. What I would say, game. what I would say is I would probably put a bigger sign. I would get some signage because mm -hmm. there's the Bud Light signage over there, but there's not like anything that says like, Hey, over here, guys, come yeah. on over. Come on. So it just, the way it was up there just kind of looked exclusive. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I would gotcha. move the barricades. The barricades were kind of in between the field and the, like if you're gonna put something up there, you gotta include it in the stadium. So you had to looks... know what was going on, basically. Yeah, and that's a yeah. that to me is a problem. Um, yeah. but you know, it's a nice idea. Uh, well, what what about the game itself? I mean, you know, in a zero zero tie, you're not killed getting a whole lot of commentary. First half. Yeah, I thought Dayton killed us the first half. I thought we were bad that first half, and you know, came out and started to really dominate and and attack the goal. And uh, I mean, the Billikens had their opportunities. They just uh, couldn't put it away. Yeah. Yeah. That's a shame. I mean, I think both teams had some chances here. I clearly, we already talked about one from Dayton. When you look at the stats, 16 to 10 in shots in Dayton's favor, seven to six and shots on goal corners slew actually had seven to their six. And then, um, Dayton had 12 fouls to slew's eight. Both teams had two yellow cards watching this game late. Uh, both teams had very, very good scoring chances late. Um, in the game. So it's, it's, it's surprising. I mean, it could have gone either way, but the fact that it was scoreless in the end is I think the most surprising part um, just kind of based on, on what I was seeing there. So disappointing all around, right. To have that opportunity. I mean, number one, it's Dayton. Uh, I, 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 don't, I can't speak for you, but I hate Dayton more than any uh, other. I school. think you can speak for me just fine. Yeah. I, so I, I don't care if it's like, if we're playing chess or if we're playing tug of war or whatever, I want to beat lie. Dayton. I hate Dayton. So uh, so that's disappointing. But with first place on the line, the one seat on the line, you know, to be in control of your own destiny after this game, potentially, if you can win, uh, it's, it's just a real bummer to to watch them kind of lose that chance. So disappointing, you know, it's, it's not the end, anything like that. Their RPI is still strong, but man, yeah, they, they got to, I, I, they really got to take care of business the last few weeks here. Uh, and I think it's going to be a tough uh, ask for them to get that one seed um, because next up for the Billikens is uh, in conference. That is a St. Joe's. Uh, they are fourth from the bottom, which would be good, except Davidson plays Rhode Island, who yeah. is second from the bottom of the standings, has one win in conference. So, I a mean, miracle. a miracle yeah. would, would be nice. I believe it's at Davidson, but I could be wrong there. Yeah. Um, I believe Davidson has the home match. Davidson sits atop the table, five and two. The Billikens and VCU tied 
for second with the Billikens holding the tiebreaker for one and two. Uh, UMass four, two and one Loyola, Chicago, three, one, three, uh, Fordham and Duquesne at three, two and two Dayton, two, one and four. Love to see it. Uh, St. Bonaventure, George Mason and St. Joe's all two, four and one LaSalle and Rhode Island, one, four and two. And then George Washington is just utter garbage at one, five and one. Speaking of utter garbage, it was hilarious to see on Twitter. Uh, the guy taking bar, uh, uh, you know, firing barbs at the uh, women's side what was a GW and uh, like, I don't know who they played uh, Davidson. I think it was GW Davidson. and Davidson. It was Davidson. And it's like, uh, what are you talking about? You guys are both, your seasons are both over. Like you are, you are irrelevant. Was that, that wasn't the one where someone uh, retweeted uh, it from a burner from account? a burner. Yeah. The burner had the same name. Uh, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, you're right. It's it's the irrelevant match down there. It was just bizarre. Uh, next up, Tuesday the 24th versus Blackburn and 28th against St. Joe's. P, let's move on to volleyball, and and I think both of us looked it, looked at this weekend as, oh boy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, look, as much as we hate Dayton and want to beat them at everything, their volleyball team's undeniably good. Number 16 okay. in the country. They uh, heading into the weekend, they were on a 15 match win streak. The only two teams they've lost to uh, were both ranked at the time. And they're number right now. They're number five and number 22 in the RPI. That's Louisville and Marquette. Uh, Marquette was a little bit stronger when they played them. But regardless, Dayton's volleyball team is very, very good. They're absolutely running away with the conference. So, yeah, we circled these dates. We looked at them and it just kept getting more and more intimidating the closer you got. But Zach, Despite the results, I think there were at least some positive takeaways, right? Oh, oh, definitely here. You mentioned hating Dayton, and uh, you could see it in Coach Andrea Beatty's demeanor on the sideline. Yeah. Uh, she was she was as much of a fan watching that game. She was as much of a fan watching that game as like I was on my couch. Uh, just yeah. uh, hanging on every point, uh, getting up. Every time we win a point, um, and just just firing, I thought I, I really want to see that more. Uh, I saw it a lot out of the VCU head coach uh, early in the conference season, and I was like, "Oh man!" Like I think our team would respond to that as well. So it was really nice to see uh, Beatty bring that energy. And I thought I thought they really did. I mean, this team looked game uh, from the third set of the first match. Mm-hmm. Uh, through the fifth or the fourth set of the uh, second match. But I missed the first two sets Friday night, uh, but the Billikens dropped them 15-25, 17-25, and then really showed up in that third set, dropping it 25-22. Again, this is against a Dayton team that had not lost a set since October or September 22nd. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was yeah. thir- uh, 28 straight sets, right? I think, I think, yeah. At that point, yes. Or, yes. Um, and yeah, it, I mean, 25, 22, and they looked good doing it. They served out of their minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it was phenomenal. Emily Hankin had 12 kills. Eddie Lyon had 19 assists. Rogers had 13 digs. Uh, again, the service was on point. Not a lot of errors. Uh, they were passing well. 
Uh, a little bit of uh, service reception issues, but uh, other than that, I, I thought they looked looked really nice in that first game. Yeah, for sure, and they they kept that going in uh, into the match on Saturday. Um, and Zach, I think you thought they were a little more competitive throughout this this whole thing. Uh yeah, uh, they were they were fantastic in this match. Like I literally sat down ready to like to watch a, a three set. Just all right, you know, right. Whatever happens, happens, and I mean, I was into it, uh, big time. Uh, three-one loss. Uh, they, that first set, they were in it until, uh, really nineteen. I think it was nineteen nineteen, at one point, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe like nineteen seventeen. Uh, and, and Dayton just just ran away with it. Um, they're, they're that good, man. They've got so many yeah. weapons, uh, but the Billikens snapped that 30 set win streak for Dayton in the second 29, 27. And, and this one, I mean, this one, th- there's so much to this set that, that goes into that speaks to the resilience that this team is learning to have, because I've talked about a lot. Like I didn't see a lot of mental toughness or a lot of resilience from the squad. And, and there was a point in that second set where, uh, the Billikens had a chance, I believe it was it was post 25 all, uh, where Dayton or no, maybe it was earlier than that. So Dayton went up like three. I think they went up like 23 to 20. And that 23rd point was a play where uh one of the Billiken players pancaked it. That's where you put your hand on the floor and let right. the ball just bat- hit your hand. Um and nobody called it. Uh, no indication from the officials, so they played on, and then the officials, the Billikens won that point, but the officials came together and decided that Dayton won the point that the ball went down, mm. which is ridiculous. They should have replayed it. There was no reason to outright give that point to Dayton. Right. Um, but they go up twenty three twenty. I want to say at that point. Um, and you're thinking, oh man, here we go. Uh, they're gonna just run away with it, and nope. Billikens came back. Uh, you know, they fought back from a couple of match point or not match points, set points for Dayton there and, and ended up winning 29-27. Uh, and I a lot of expletives followed by yeah for me. <laughs> I, I was up uh up off the couch yelling at the TV. It was so it was fun. It was a lot of fun. 29-27 is intense, man. Yeah, it is. Volleyball really is that. It, it's so like when it gets past 25. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. I don't I would put I would put extra points in volleyball to like sudden death hockey. Oh, like for I sure. would put it on par with the the level of butt puckering yeah. that goes on watching it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember uh the the blues game seven, Pat Maroon. I mean, yeah. you just forget to breathe at times. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, 19-25, though, in that third set. And then in the fourth set, Dayton takes the, the match 25-18. to 18. Kayla Richardson had 16 kills. Lyon had 43 assists. Rogers had 21 digs. Uh, becoming this the all-time leader in digs at St. Louis University with 1685, passing my girl Whitney Barron's. Um, yeah, no, I thought uh, one one note on this one is we talked how much we had uh, liked uh, the way Addie Lyon was setting. Uh, yeah. 
in this match, Kate Opperly uh, made an appearance and they were running with both of their setters in the match. Uh, and Opperly served really well in that in that second match. So uh, she made a re- reappearance in the lineup. Nice. As yeah, as we mentioned, Slu snapped a 30 set win streak uh, for Dayton, dating back to September. Dayton again only lost two matches this season: Louisville and Marquette, which are number five and number twenty-two in the RPI, respectively. The last team to take a set off Dayton was Loyola. Uh, run us down the stats on volleyball. Yeah, so Dayton's as we said, still in first place, eleven and zero. Uh, Loyola and VCU, sorry, Loyola's alone in second at nine and two, VCU's eight and three. And then you get to Davidson in fourth at six and five. Fordham and Duquesne are behind them at five and six. Slew and George Washington at four and seven. George Mason is two and nine, and Rhode Island's in last at one and ten. Uh, Pete, tell us about field hockey's nice little weekend. Yeah, before we do, um, volleyball is playing Loyola oh, again yeah. on the 24th at Loyola. Um, and then Friday and Saturday, they're at home against Rhode Island. So that is that sets up pretty nice, actually. We knew we had this Loyola uh, return game. It's going to be a hard one, but you do have the the Rhode Island, the the cellar dweller of the A10, uh, hopefully to to help out after that. Uh, before we get into this game, I want to let people know that last season, uh, this match was five zero Lock Haven at Lock Haven. Yeah. So yeah. That's a good note because this is this is like the field hockey game of the season. Um, happy to report, five one win against Lock Haven, Friday the twentieth at Sportport, and it was Senior Day, Zach. So Grace Golombuski, I think we said her name was going to be, uh, Brooke Mason, Lauren Pendergast, Debbie Saoleka, Cameron Tucker, and Kendall Underwood were honored prior to the game. Lock Haven actually got their goal first. It was a pen- penalty stroke in the first quarter. And the 1-0 lead lasted into halftime. I have no idea what was said at halftime, but <laughs> Brooke Mason scored off an Abby Vitas pass less than a minute into the second half, and then the floodgates just opened from there. Uh, Josefina Perez scored off an assist um, from Julia Royakers to make it 2-1 after three. Shia Dry made it 3-1 early in the fourth with Mason getting the assist. And then she assisted on an Abby Vitas goal with just under seven minutes to play. A minute later, Saoleka made it 5-1 with Golombuski getting the assist. Um, so that's five different goal scorers with the seniors accounting for two goals and two assists. This was actually a school record for goals scored in a conference game. So that's that's huge. You know, you felt like this team's lost so many close games all season. And uh, and finally, they really broke through in a big way on this one. And against the team above them in the standings, too. Next up for them, Friday the 27th, they're at Davidson. They'll play Sunday the 29th at Appalachian State to end the regular season with a little North Carolina road trip. Davidson's a surprisingly big game for SLU, actually, because this gives them a it's... chance to finish 7th or even 6th based on tiebreakers. SLU's 1-5 in, in the conference, and Davidson is 0-6. Lockhaven and Richmond are 2-4, and, and SLU owns the tiebreaker over Lockhaven, but not Richmond. So... Keep an eye on the results from uh, this upcoming week. It could uh, it could actually mean like the best ever A10 finish for them. It, it not only what could it mean the best A10 finish ever for them, it could mean. Hold on, I want to. I'm going to go back a couple more years here because this could be. Uh, well, it's at least the first time since I've been able to drink alcohol. Okay, <laughs> now we're getting back. back 
now we're getting back to before I graduated high school. Yep. I hadn't graduated high school yet. All right. Let's skip. Okay. Wait a minute. Hold on. We might have this. Uh, yes. We found one. Okay. This will be the, this could be if they win against Davidson, this will be the first time that they had back to back a 10 wins in mm. a season since 2006. Wow. And they beat LaSalle 2-0 and Westchester 3-1. So Westchester was in the conference at the time. They are the best, Chester. <laughs> so, wow, okay. That's and, that's amazing. And, so the year after I graduated, SLU. And that season they finished 3-4 and four in conference. Mm. Uh, let's I guess see. it would have been two years after since the fall sport. A-10 anyway. field hockey standings. Let's see. Let's see if I can find them. Overall statistics. I don't know what this is going to. Oh, son of a mother. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, maybe I can't. Oh, wait. Oh, 607. Maybe I do. They finished third in conference no that can't be right so i think i said they finished 12 and four overall what field hockey is this there's no way no that that's that's not right no they finished they did finish seven and nine that season uh three and four okay um that was i want to say that was marcy uh it was Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? Yes, it was Marcy Boyer, the late Marcy Boyer. Okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah, fantastic. I, I, I really hope they win this damn game, dude. Yeah, and then I can't wait to see what the sports information uh, department comes up with uh, for us. You know, like to 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 verify whether we got it right or not. But yes. Uh, it, regardless, this would be a huge, a huge swing if they could do this. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's a nice way to end the season. I mean, to be very clear, they're not going to make the conference tournament. Um, there's only four seeds that get, or four teams out of the eight that get into it. And SLU is guaranteed. I mean, it, the, the top and bottom halves of the conference are already set. So yes. there's, there's not going to be any movement in or out of the oh, conference. This is tournament. awesome, dude. Friday night. They're playing. Uh, it's it's a seven p.m. It's a six p.m. game. This is fantastic. At a six p.m. game at Davidson. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, six p.m. Central Time on ESPN Plus. There you go. That's fantastic. I mean, that's, that sets up nicely. Yeah, that that never happens. You never get a uh, uh, an evening field hockey game. Yeah, so check that out for sure at Davidson too. I bet they have a nice. Yeah. Setting uh, to watch it. It's okay. I think I Is think it, I watched, I think it was one of the only ones we got to watch a couple seasons ago. Um, cross country, Pete. Let's hear about it. They're ranked. The men's cross country team is ranked number fourteen in the Midwest region. Uh, the first time they were regionally ranked since being number fourteen at the end of the twenty eighteen season. They peaked at number thirteen earlier that season, and then in twenty seventeen they also peaked at number thirteen and were ranked in five of eight polling weeks. The best ranking in program history was the year before that, number 12 in 2016. So uh pretty cool to see them them making their mark, you know, in the in the Midwest region. And hopefully they can do the same. 
at the A-10 Championships, which are on Saturday the 28th in Dayton, Ohio. Um, swimming and diving at Wash U on Friday the 20th, and it looks like the uh, the Jim Halliburton, uh, uh, you know, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, men lost uh, 128.5 to 105. And a half. Ben Mears finished first in the one meter and three meter diving competition. Uh, the women lost 129.5 to 113. Emily Leonard won the 500 free and the thousand free and anchored the women's 200 free relay team that won. Saturday, they head to Bellarmine. Uh, that'll be the 28th for a triple duel with Bellarmine Valpo at Eastern Illinois. Pete, it's another long episode. I love it. We're back. So another long one, Zach. Yeah, this is this is the long season, right? You know, as as fall blends into winter, and we've got all these sports stacked on top of each other. This is where our episodes go long. But really, it's 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 up to the soccer teams, or blame the soccer teams. You know, they they really determine how long these things go, depending on how deep they go in the postseason. Oh no, slew field hockey overlaps with the women's soccer on Friday. That stinks. Like you're going to have one screen going at once. Well, it's at, I got to be at Herman, man. Well, you're going to have a screen going in. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. I hate myself. (laughs) Um, All right. That does it uh, for this week in Billiken Athletics. Follow us on all social media at Midtown Mad Pod, at Zach Miller MMP, at Peter is a tweeter. Uh, Subscribe to us on YouTube. It'd be great. We, We have, I think we're up to 104, which is pretty neat. Um, I think that's right, but, uh, yeah. Thank you all for listening. Go bills. Go bills.